everyone, welcome to Legally Evangeline. So this is a series that I want to start where I catch up with legal professionals and kind of delve into how they got to where they are today and the challenges that they faced along the way. Um, so today we are joined by a very special guest, Mr. Michael Hinder. Thanks for having me. No problem. Um, for those of you that don't know, Michael is actually my fiance and we've been engaged for a couple of months now. Um, so when I decided to launch Legally Evangeline, I kind of knew that I wanted to focus on different routes into law. I think it's very easy for us to sit back and think, you know, you have to get good grades, you then do your undergraduate, then do your LPC, and then hopefully secure a training contract. But for many people, they face many challenges along the way. And so I really think that it's important to highlight that certain people can enter law into different, like, in different ways. So that's why I knew I wanted to feature Mike, because I really, really felt that it's story was so inspirational especially for those of you that maybe didn't achieve the grades that you wanted didn't achieve your a-levels um and for my irish irish readers the a-levels is actually the equivalent to the irish leaving certificate so mike tell me a little bit about yourself how did you get into law okay so i went to bishop bourne roman catholic school in swansea in wales doing my gcse's i was always like quite a i'd say a bright student for the most part yeah. Um, a lot of classwork, you'd have like teachers' reports and parents, even at the end of the year, they'd always have like glowing reports from my teachers, always got on with them all. But there was always some big kind of stumbling block, which was exams. Now, the biggest part with some sort of exam psychological behind it was I'd bottle it. I'd get into that exam room no matter how much I've studied, no matter how much I knew the stuff I needed to answer, you could have asked me two plus two and I'd say five. I just could not answer the right questions at the right time in the exams. So I'd always get poor poor marks. And my parents didn't have a clue. My teachers wouldn't have a clue. You'd have the parents' evening where the teachers would just be like, yeah, he's, this, this is it. Say his predicted grades at eight. And he's getting like a D on a C. And they yeah. just didn't understand. And they would ask my parents then, like, am I revising at home? And my parents were like, yeah, like, he's doing all the revision he can and stuff. Like, we're not sure what's happened. And then it just came to, it just got worse as kind of time went on and it kind of appeared more apparent to me, which obviously made it worse then because you're kind of thinking about it rather than thinking of a solution. You're just constantly thinking, I can't do exams. Mm. So that was my GCSEs. Didn't do particularly well, I'll say. Um, I got, you know, your English, your maths, C's. The basics. Yeah, uh, pretty much. I didn't do as, as good as I thought I was going to do. Um, and then that was what I think I did my GCSEs in 2011 um, that was that and then obviously the next step of kind of education because at this point I didn't fully know what I wanted to do I had a big interest in computers and the, the diagnostics behind it and stuff so my dad's an electrician so I was kind of veering down that route maybe trying to get an apprenticeship that kind of thing but I fully wasn't sure um, I was in air cadets at the time that was a quite a fun experience. That's for another podcast, though. <laughs> so, yeah, <clears throat> the next step was obviously to do A-levels in sixth form. I stayed with Bishop Vaughan, um, and I was going to do A-levels. Come when we had to pick the subjects, the subjects that I picked, I didn't actually have enough GCSEs to do the subjects that I wanted to do for A-level. So they give me an option of I can stay in sixth form, but I can do an extra year. So... It's almost like a foundation year in university equivalency. So I'd have to take public services, which is a BTEC, mm -hmm. 
Okay. So I'm not sure if you know what a BTEC is. No. So essentially there's no exams. It's all pure coursework. Okay, um, interesting. So it's, it's really like a, a course, I don't want to say for not smarter people, but like for people who don't do well in exams. It's okay. very much like a more practice element to it. So it was public services and Welsh baccalaureate. Um, did them. Did that for the year. Hated it. It just didn't. Wasn't very mentally strenuous at all or anything. It was very dulled down. Just a way of getting like the available UCAS points, just so I could do the A levels for the next two years. So at this point, I was already a year behind everybody. Now at the time, obviously that didn't matter because I was in sixth form, mm-hmm. quotation marks, where. I was with all my friends and they were doing A-levels and there was a couple of friends doing, obviously, the additional course with me. Um, and then at the end of that year, I kind of just decided I don't want to do this anymore because I was fed up with school, fed up with exams and stuff, and it just wasn't the route that I felt I wanted to take. So I decided to leave, leave the sixth form, uh, pack that in, I would. I didn't continue to do my A levels. I still didn't know what I wanted to do. Um. So that summer, I decided I was gonna try and do the apprenticeship route and try and get an apprenticeship. Um. At the time, the kind of best apprenticeship that was available was in a place called Tata Steelworks. Extremely hard to get in. Um. And for some reason, I was like, "Yeah, I can do that." Um. Spent the whole summer kind of relaxing, doing pretty much nothing constructive. I went on Job Seekers Allowance. Um, I'm not sure if you have that over here. Yeah, we do. Um, but yeah, so essentially I was getting, I think it's like £65 a week or 70 quid a week. Something like that for essentially sitting on my bum doing nothing in, in the house, playing like video games and stuff. It wasn't a very constructive time at all. So I was in kind of a big, a big, big rut of didn't know what I wanted to do for a career kept telling myself that I want to get an apprenticeship. (laughs) Sorry about that. We actually had a dog emergency. So we are back. Um, You were chatting about uh, finishing your GCSEs. Yeah, so it was the the gap after my A-levels or the extension year before I was doing A-levels. So I left. It would have been like June, finished the course. Kind of did nothing for the rest of the summer was in a pretty big rut in terms of didn't really know what I wanted to do, where I wanted to go. I I was just kind of stuck in this notion of kept convincing myself that I wanted to do an apprenticeship, become an electrician or something along that along those lines. Um I did work experience at my uncle's company, Electronic Services, where they fixed computers and other electronics. Thoroughly enjoyed that. That was good. And that kind of convinced me that I was going to go down that route. Um, But again, I just kept telling myself, yeah, I'm going to become an apprenticeship. But I wouldn't do anything for it. Do you feel pressured that you have to become an electrician because that's what your parents did? Or your parent? No. um, Thankfully, like, my parents in this aspect kind of just left me, which is probably a negative thing in terms of I didn't have any pressure from them. Whereas they were just like, you know, you need to figure out what you want to do and, and go with it. They, they're they not the type of people to be like, you need this grade and this grade. 
um, whether they learned that from my brother and sister and how much they kind of succeeded or didn't succeeded, we'll say. But whether their mindset, because I was the third child of, okay, we'll just kind of let him get on with whatever he wants to do. Because mm-hmm. um, even from like a, a younger age, I was always quite a mature person but also at the same time I was extremely childish and I still am yes um but in that respect maybe I learned some sort of respect from my parents that they were just like yeah you you know you got your head screwed on you can figure it out for yourself okay so um going back to where you were in your GCSEs oh okay no that's fine um so yeah continue on I was kind of doing nothing um, but I, I just kept saying I wanted to be an apprenticeship. I wanted to get an apprenticeship, but I don't think, I think I must have applied for maybe like two in the space of a good like nine months. So we had gone through the whole summer, me doing nothing. I was on job seekers allowance cause I was, was it on job seekers? Yeah, I was 18 at the time. Yeah, I would have been 18. I was on job seekers allowance. I think that's like, you know, 70 quid a week or something. I wasn't doing anything with it. Um, at this point, I was gaining weight. Uh, I wasn't in a good mental frame of mind. Playing video games all day. Uh, looking back, it was fun. Don't get me wrong. Do you know, I didn't have any kind of stress. Nothing. It was a very carefree time. Do you know, I was kind of getting free money of what I thought at the time. Um, and essentially just buying junk food. Takeaways. You know, the local... Takeaway shop would know my order. So yeah, that was that was me at the time. Do you know, I was gaining a lot of weight, didn't know what I was doing in my career, spent nine months on job seekers, turning up to what, this was around the January, February time, I was speaking to a, a close friend of my, Josh. Um, and we both kind of started speaking on terms of like going back to college. Because... My situation wasn't working. He had almost done the same thing as me. Um, so we were just like, we need to do something. Do you know, we need to kind of maybe go back to and, and do something. Just anything at that point. So we, we discussed a lot. Uh, we both decided we we're going to go to a college called Gosainen College. To do A-levels again. Um, which was very... A weird turn, actually. So we signed up to do A-levels, which would start then in the following September. So this was January, February. I did nothing up until that September. So I was bordering then about a year and a half of doing nothing but playing video games and eating food. Okay. You know, I was a pretty hefty boy. At this point, I didn't even want to go back to, to college when it came to September. I was only really going because of, like, the fact Josh was going as well. It was like I get to kind of socialise in that aspect. So I I think I took um, accountancy, law, uh, some sort of finance topic and something else. Um, Went in there. So now at this point, I was two years behind everybody, uh, behind people doing their A-levels. So immediately I was in these classrooms and I was just like, I almost like, probably my own fault, I kind of ostracized myself in terms of, I kind of didn't know anyone there, but because they were all two years younger than me, it was kind of just like, who's this guy? Mm. 
because mm-hmm. a lot of the time for sixth form and colleges, everybody goes from the same year group and the same school. Everyone's already kind of made their friendship groups at that point. Yeah, so so you'd have like a lot of people from Bishop Vaughan would go to Bishop Vaughan sixth form. Yeah. Stuff like that. Um, and then if your school didn't have a sixth form, you'd go to the nearest college. So everyone kind of knew each other. So, so yeah, I, I sat at the back, kind of doing nothing, ostracised myself, hated it. Hated the way the lessons were taught. There was no kind of inclusivity. It was just exactly like being back in school. And that isn't what I wanted. Um, so I think it lasted like a week. Um, <laughs> yeah, I rung, I rung my mum. I... It was like halfway through, I think it was like a Thursday or a Friday of the first week. Don't don't have a clue how Josh is doing. He could have been loving life or hating it. I don't know. I didn't even speak to him at this point. Rung my mum, told her I couldn't do it and I hated it. She then rung my, my brother, my older brother. He's eight years older than me. No, nine. Nine years older than me, I think. I think. <laughs> um, but yeah, what's it? What, what was actually an interesting timing of it all was Pete... My my brother was actually going back to college himself. He was having a bit of a career change as well and wanted to go back to... He was doing an adult learning course in Tikoka College. Um, and he was doing, like, I think it was, like, uh, medical sciences or something. He was going to try and be, like, a GP or doctor. I have no idea. So he was over there doing that, and he was enjoying it, I think. I didn't really speak to him that much. We didn't really get along that well back in that period of time. Yeah, so I rung my mum, ended up... Got to get in the bus home. I just couldn't do it. Left midday, halfway through the, the school. Uh, bearing in mind, I did try and speak to my lecturers and the teachers there and try and, like, I went to go and speak to, like, the head of department and stuff to try and, she'd be like, I'm not enjoying, like, I need help kind of thing. But there was no one there to help at the time. They were all busy. No one wanted to speak to me. Um, they weren't very helpful as such. So I went home that day. Um, as soon as I got home, my brother was waiting for me outside the house. And he ended up taking me, well, he dragged me, I should say, <laughs> to Tikoch College, the college he was going to. And he got kind of friendly with one of the, like, uh, head of course directors, something. There he basically asked her, can, can she help? Um, like, kind of figure out what I wanted to do. What can I do next? Because obviously I didn't like the college I was in. And whatnot. So he basically literally dragged me. There's a few kicks and screams. Dragged me down to this college. Put me in this room with this woman. He sat there next to me. And we just hashed a lot of things up. And she talked about like my topics, my interests and, and everything like that. So originally I thought the, the, the course which kind of sparked my mind the most was some sort of biological science where I could go into like physiotherapy and that. Because at that time... That was kind of like my interests overall, mm-hmm. um, but the course was full. So I was kind of just like, right, that's not for me. And then there was one course where she was like, I can squeeze you in. And she was just like, what do you think about doing access to law? And I thought about it and I was like, I don't know. It was one of my topics that I picked in go sign on. Didn't really enjoy the way that it was taught. And I explained that to her as well. And she really very much portrayed that it's uh, it was supposed to be for adults. And bearing in mind, I was, what, 18 at the time. I shouldn't... Theoretically, in my mind, I shouldn't have been allowed to do that course. Mm-hmm. It wasn't a known thing. No one knew about access courses. 
especially for my age, it was more of people who are 30s and 40s when they have a career change and they want to try and transition into something else. So yeah, fast forward, I ended up doing that. Thoroughly enjoyed it. Um, almost by a freak of nature that I ended up doing it. it was my inspirational person, we'll call it. Yeah. She was uh, really the first one to kind of motivate me to be like, no, you can do this. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Like every piece of coursework I, I'd give in, she'd sit down with me and go through it all and, and properly give me like really good feedback into how to improve and, and what. So this course essentially was almost like a foundation of university again. Um, I'd, I'd do this course for one year and then uh, for the most part, I think most of their pupils from this classroom would go into university, in Swansea University. Whether they had some sort of partnership, I'm not sure, but that's just the way it worked. So there was a lot of mixed people on the course. You're talking middle-aged men, 40, 50, 60. There was a guy, I, I won't name his name, but he was retired, and he was just doing the course to stimulate his mind. Um, there was a couple of younger people, 25, 26. Um, it, was, it was really mixed. Um, there's a lot of people from, like, really bad backgrounds, whether it's, like, drug abuse, alcohol abuse, which, obviously, they're trying to turn their life around. So it was really, really good, really insightful into, like, the real-life aspect of, like, if you don't get your career sorted, like, you can end in a downward spiral. So I got friendly with a lot of them. We all helped each other out. It was a nice little close kind of group. It was good. We'd learned, like, vocational skills. We had, like, mock trials and stuff. And we'd actually have to role-play. Mm-hmm. I remember I got an award. or well, I say an award. Uh, it was, like, a £50 Amazon gift card yeah, right, because... We had a mock trial, and she was like, yeah, you can all dress up if you want to. And uh, I think I was, like, one of the prosecutors, I think. And uh, I'd rocked up with a, a full gown, a wig, <laughs> like, the whole just pointless stuff. For anyone that knows Mike, that is him depicted in the legal <laughs> field. <laughs> it, was, it, it was good, but, like, no one else dressed up. Because, obviously, they're all kind of adults. So there's no... They're not very childish as such they were all kind of determined to get their, their life on track but I still had that child element of me because I was still so young um but she loved it because I was so like involved and got myself into like the character almost she was like yeah you you can have this it was supposed to go to the winner of the trial <laughs> <laughs> but she was just like nah the trial's a draw you can have it kind of thing so that was that she helped me do my personal statement for for uni and stuff. And at this point, I still didn't fully know if I wanted to do law. Do you know, if even if I wanted to be a solicitor or anything, it was the way she sold it to me was it was a very good degree to have, like multifunctional. Do you know, you could go into the police force, you can go into the army, like you, you go into obviously be a solicitor. You can do so many different things with a law degree. It's one of the most useful degrees kind to of have. Versatile degree. Yeah, 100%. It's you can use it for nearly everything. So that was kind of the biggest thing. So I was like, okay, just follow the process. The next step is go to university. Um, a few of my friends from the course went to university as well. Um, the excitement on my face when I had the conditional offer from, from Swansea was, was pretty cool because it was like, okay, I'm going to university. Do you know, at th- at this point, my bro, my brother was doing going to university as well, same university. He was doing well in his course, mm-hmm. so it was like a really cool time. Everyone was getting on with it. You know, Josh, the the guy I went to college with, he stayed. 
in go sign in college. He mm-hmm. he's seen out his two years, got his A levels. Um. So he he took his path, but yeah. obviously he could handle it a lot more than I could. Um. So yeah, did my degree then. That was all fun and games. Just followed the process. Did what was available at the time was the masters combined with the LPC. Um, and at this point, I had decided that, yeah, I'm going to be a solicitor. Mm-hmm. You know, after doing what it would have been four years, then at the end of that degree of doing law, I was kind of like, yeah, I can do this. Mm-hmm. Do you know? Um, obviously, I, I'm somewhat good at it in, in terms of I can do the degree. So, so maybe there is some sort of profession in this. And that's kind of where, like, the passion and kind of the everything kind of articulated itself was in that degree. With every topic you studied and stuff, I found myself just more being more focused into it and understanding bits a lot more easier and having, like, such a multi-versed approach to different aspects. Yeah. So, like, I had a big difference. And it was almost like an advantage, I'd say, especially in first year, because... You had a lot of people, most people in our lecture hall would have done A-level law and got like A's, A-stars, B's. Because like Swansea University was a good university. I think the requirements were A-A-B, I yeah, think, I at think. the time. Um, so for me, I was kind of sad. I was like, I've got next to nothing GCSEs, like no A-levels. And somehow I'm sat in this university with all these all brain the boxes. You know, so I was, and you had the advantage in terms of being able to structure the coursework being yeah, able. yeah, I, like that. That's what I mean. Like, the the especially first year, everybody was still stuck in the mindset of being taught, rather yeah. than being self taught. Yeah. So, I was kind of a step ahead in a sense. In the beginning, you know, I will say, I enjoyed the social life a bit, a bit much in university, but sort of most people, I probably should have, and could have studied a bit more on my academic side, but I was more just enjoying the fact that I was in university and the privilege that I had of having next to no kind of education in that sense. Mm-hmm. I just couldn't believe that I, the position I was in. So then we did that, did the LPC and the Masters, passed that, all fine, and now yeah. finished the LPC, and now I work for Acuity Law in Swansea, uh, one of the best law firms in Wales, <laughs> uh, in the dispute resolution team as a paralegal. Well, incredible. Um... So can I touch back on a few topics that you picked up it. on? So what advice would you give to students who maybe did not complete their A-levels or didn't get the grades that they hoped? Doesn't matter. Simple as that. It, it really does not matter. Do you know, A-levels and GCSEs especially, like when, you, when you're doing them, GCSEs is the worst one because it's difficult because there's so much pressure at the time on GCSEs to, to get you know, your your A's and your B's and your C's, and it's like, you're not going to get a job without them. And it's like, yeah, you will. Yeah. Do you know, yeah, a lot of things, do you know, you can go, like, teaching and, and things like that where you need, like, at least a C in English or a B in English. Some things you do need certain grades for. But, you know, you in five, ten years' time, you can always go back and do a GCSE in English. Mm-hmm. Do you know, my sister's done that. She didn't get the required English level, so she needed to go do... Uh, an English GCSE and get a B. I think she failed it once or twice when she's like, what, six years older than me? Mm-hmm. And she only did that a few years ago. Yeah. So there's no kind of limit. It's the same for A-levels. Do you know, it depends what you, you want. 
there's more access access routes to law isn't spoken about a lot and i think i don't know why because i thought that was a lot better than doing a levels mm-hmm. it's it's a one year course it was a lot more practical a lot more there was more coursework rather than exams there was a couple of exams which i hated but i passed Do you know don't get me wrong that was that was a big curve especially in uni as well because that with with how intense the exams are in uni this is where my mind was going haywire because I was like, I can't do it. Mm-hmm. But then I was thinking back and I was like, do you know what, I did, I did the exams in the access course. Right. Um, so so I, can, I can do this. And that helped me get past the psychological negative mind frame of I bought it in, in exams. Interesting. So speaking about exams, are there any tips that you feel that helped you get through them or helped you get past that negative mindset? Um, I think for me, having friends. Mm-hmm. Um, study groups and an amazing fiance. Yeah, well, you didn't study with me, so <laughs> like, you were you were you were a good help, and you know I'll always give you credit for getting me through the degrees as a a base layer kind of thing. But for the most part, like you hated studying with me. Yeah, like we study in totally opposite ways. You like to lock yourself away in a room and listen to your own voice, whereas. <laughs> I'm very much a, a talker in the sense of I'll talk through problems with people. Yeah. So I had, throughout the the, year, the undergrad years and the, the master's in the LPC, I had different friendship groups for different modules in a sense. Do you know, I'd have mm-hmm. different study groups where I'd talk to them and we'd, we'd hash out the problem, do you know, because I always have a, I like to say I always have, I typically had, a very different approach to what everybody else had because of the way I think we came through education. Mm-hmm. Um, but it's just, yeah, I, I think friends, man. Yeah. That's the biggest one is, is studying with friends. with a good group of people. Yeah, like studying with them and trying to bounce ideas off each other because that way you, you're not stuck in your own head thinking you're right. Yeah. Um, and, and like you could be totally wrong, but mm-hmm. no one's there to kind of curb you and tell you no what about this way what about that way that to me that is such more of a a way to solve problems yeah do you know so you did your undergraduate in Swansea and then you did the LPC in Swansea did you find a big difference between the two courses I know for me I found the LPC a lot more intense a lot harder than I did my L my LLB yeah so I'd, I'd say the biggest difference the intensity is a big one um the LPC is is pretty intense. Mm-hmm. Do you know? I think we went from what February to April, something like that, with an exam every week. Well, yeah, even or, more or than one exam. Yeah, something something daft, and obviously you had written exams. We had vocal exams. That that was intense, but saying that, it was a different again a different type of learning. Mm-hmm. The LLB is for the most part how much you can remember. Yeah. <laughs> Do you know, like, you'd go into an exam and it's, you need to recite, you know, a case from 1912 and just copy that in. You didn't really have to apply it as such. It was just as long as you knew the knowledge kind of behind it, you, you'd kind of get away with it. Whereas on the LPC, it was less, less so of, of memorising things and more practical which probably was to my forte in the sense of 
as long as you could explain the explanation behind different uh, judgments and different things and how you know they came to different decisions and how x case affected the following case that was the real difference in the LBB, LLB and the LPC was the practice side of it. There's a lot more practice-based. Yeah, I think that was something that I struggled with and you actually really helped me with, yeah, with the practical you're, side. You're very book smart. Yeah. Um, so you said that you secured your first legal job. Um, how did that all come about? And did you have much previous work, like legal work experience? <laughs> yeah, so it's quite funny actually. So we'll go through my, my previous experience. Um, so I did a, I don't really like to put it on my CV, but um, <laughs> obviously I had uh, work experience with my uncle's office. Um, at the time when I was on the job seekers, I forgot to add, they made me do work experience. Now I don't really like to say they made me do it because I swear I wanted to do it secretly. Um, but I was essentially working for Air Ambulance, which is like a local charity. Um, so like search and rescue, kind of helicopter stuff. But yeah, basically working in one of their charity shops close to my home, uh, picking up deliveries that people want to donate uh, furniture um, or, or buy furniture and we deliver it to the house. That was, that was a, a fun job, but it was quite rewarding. Mm-hmm. But it was kind of a bit boring at the same time. Like, trying to carry a sofa up a six-storey apartment block. All I can think of is the scene from Friends where Ross is like, Oh, yeah, no, literally, yeah. It's literally, like, pivot all the time. (laughs) Me and, like, this other guy was quite old. And uh, it it was just, again, just an experience. Do you know, it was something that added another layer and perspective. But then, eventually, I got a job, I think, in first year uni. Uh, I did some bartending in between in the local pub. Uh, didn't really enjoy the people I worked with. Loved the job. Loved to me on Pub Monday. That'd be cool. But yeah, ended up getting a job uh, as a checkout assistant in Tesco's at the beginning of uni. Because um, I, I kind of needed my tuition fees and stuff. I had like, thought I could get a grant from the university and, and different things in the Welsh Government. Upper Welsh Government. Um, <laughs> they kind of... I needed money, essentially, to, to, to live, especially with my social aspect side of things. I needed to kind of... Buying all those drinks. Yeah. <laughs> Non-alcoholic drinks, I will say. Of course. Um, but yeah, so I needed a job. I got a job in Tesco's. I loved it. I, I Looking back now, like, I thought the people I met, like, it just... There's one, I used to work on the weekends for the most part and then do like individual shifts in the, in the, in the days. But honestly, I'd work every Sunday and Sunday was, it was so fun in the sense of everyone hated Sundays because it's like a rest day, right? Mm-hmm. Um, but Sunday to me was just like, I used to go to church when I was younger, up until I was like 16, every Sunday. Um, so I was kind of always accustomed to being around older people. Uh, and maybe that's something to do with like education that I, why yeah, I enjoyed that with access, that I was with older people and I studied a bit better. Um, but yeah, so on a Sunday, it was a lot of the people who worked on Sunday was like older people. Are you talking like people in the 60s, 70s, all just sat on a, on a till? Like it's like their one day of the week, they do a shift 
where it's just keeping their brain kind of ticking. It, it was good. And I was kind of like a young person. I adapt really fast to, to roles where I think after like, I think it was like a couple months of working in, in Tesco's, I had like a supervisor pin and stuff. So I could essentially assist all the managers and the, the supervisor of the checkout team, whether it's a case of like resetting tills, doing like different different bits. But I would, I, I'd never just be sat on a till. Do you know, I'd work on tills, on checkouts, but I was never on a checkout. And you'd have, like, new temps coming in and, and different things. And they'd always be like, oh, like, so what What position are you? Like, do you know? And I'd just be like, same as you. <laughs> like, I know, I remember back in first year when we used to come up to Tesco on the rare occasion. And you'd just be randomly walking around the aisles and <laughs> just casually walking around. Yeah, I used to get away with murder there, like, honestly. But, like, I, I would be good at my job. Do you know, it yeah. wasn't as if I was bunking or anything or hiding out the back or anything. I'd be doing productive stuff constantly. And it, it was tiring, like, being on your feet all day, doing, like, steps. Uh, nearly every checkout was, like, old women and stuff. And obviously, being, like, a, a young guy and quite friendly with older people, they, they kind of loved it. They were, like, kind of looking at me as, like, eye candy, even though I, <laughs> I wouldn't, I wouldn't uh, consider myself to be eye candy, but... They obviously did at the time, so to, to them it was like brightening their Sundays as well. <laughs> so I'd I'd come in. And Plus you, the fact that you'd get Mother's Day cards for pretty much a lot of them. Uh, that, no, that was, that was one of them <laughs> because like adorable, and I used to have good crack with it, like good laughs and stuff. And one day it was coming to Mother's Day, and she was telling me how like all the kids have moved away, and like uh, I'm not sure where her husband like, was. If he, had I don't know why I felt really sorry for her, and I was like, I was oh. like, I'm gonna go and pick up some flowers. And, and a card and go and give them to her. And, uh, yeah, safe to say she loved it. It was good. Um, I, I kind of get taken the mick out of by Eve today. I have competition with the old ladies. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> they all love Like, I, I go back to the store now and they'll all speak to me and give me a hug and stuff. But it, it, was, it, was, a, it was a good time. I learned a lot in Tesco's mm-hmm. in terms of structure and working with difficult people and, and different things like that. But yeah, and then I left, I left Tesco's in, well, I tried leaving twice. <laughs> I left once and then my manager convinced me to take a three-month sabbatical. So I took a three-month sabbatical. I think I came over here then, didn't I? I think so. Yeah, so I came over to Ireland and basically spent three months over here instead of looking for a job. Um, did some farming things. Yeah, typical farmer's life. That, that was good fun. Again, another experience which kind of added uh, I went back to Swansea, little old Swansea, and what was the next step then? Then then I was struggling to get kind of a legal job because at this point I'd finished the LPC, I was kind of struggling a little bit, and I didn't, I, I was just like, I can't get a job because I've had no legal experience. I didn't, I, I didn't think during my studies that I could take on another legal job because I had Tesco's, I had the degree. To me, I didn't think I could handle that. Right. <clears throat> having maybe a couple of days a week in a legal position. Mm-hmm. I was more focused on getting my degree because it was such a big thing to me. And then I'll do stuff after, which yeah. looking back was probably the wrong approach, mm-hmm. if not the worst approach I could have taken. I went to some, uh, what's it called? Like, where they help you get jobs. An advisor. An employability person. Can't think of the name. Okay. Uh, anyway, yeah, uh, at the university to help me out because I just didn't have a clue what to do. And, like, we spoke about things. And then she basically just kind of, like, not had a proper go at me, but 
basically it was just like you're screwed like because i've had no legal experience during my my studies and so I, like i came out of it and i was just like well i feel worse after that than going in yeah i remember i was in new york <clears> at the time and you called me and you were just in a state after yeah, this it this was like september i think yeah just when you first got out and i just didn't have a clue what to do because i've had this employability officer telling me i'm screwed and like i'm, I'm gonna struggle to get a legal job because i've got all the qualifications but i don't have a job like it didn't make any sense the only thing i had was tesco's mm-hmm. um so then I applied for like a bunch of places, emailed a lot of smaller firms individually, um, just to try and get like, you know, one week experience here, one week experience there, literally anything, like for free. And this is what I couldn't understand, was if <clears throat> somebody's offering like free work, why wouldn't you take it up? Maybe there's some sort of contractual things behind that that I'm I'm not sure of, but that was a struggle. And then... I got emailed, I think, by the same woman. Actually, she actually emailed me a job advertisement um, for, for Acuity. And I was just like, yeah, I, I like this. This is good. I kind of, it's what I want to go into, like commercial aspects, uh, corporate stuff. I very much consider myself to be kind of like business interested. Mm-hmm. Um, I like the way it, the, the, all of it kind of works. So I was like, yeah, this, this is great. It was like a corporate commercial firm. Really big. Um, growing a lot and um, it was in Swansea as well which was nice because uh, obviously you were in New York at the time for was it six months mm-hmm. so it was kind of the immediate thing was okay I'll like this is this is I'll try and get a job here so I went to uh, uh, write a covering letter and along with my CV so I obviously tailored all my CV as you should to each job top tip with Mike <laughs> yeah um, as you like to point out to me that I don't do often um, but yeah, write the covering letter and I send it off. And the biggest thing about this was, I love this story purely because, so the, the company's called Acuity. So it's A-C-U-I-T-Y. And all throughout my CV, the covering letter, the email that I sent to the woman, I spelt the company name wrong. Now I must've written this company name about 20 times <laughs> and I put an R so instead of acuity, it was accruity. Oh my gosh. But that's just what I thought it was. And so I sent an email and then after like a few hours of sending an email, I went to have a look as you kind of do when you're a bit stressed, you kind of read over everything you've sent. Yeah. Um, so I was reading over and I was like, oh my God, what have I done? <laughs> so I sent a follow-up email and was like, um, please disregard any point I've misspelled the company name. <laughs> It was like my spell check or something. <laughs> and at this point, I was like, I bottled this again. Like, absolutely screwed it. And at the time, I was in talks with um, a company in Cardiff for doing, like, minimum wage, just kind of normal work experience. And then also another company, uh, like an insurance broker, which I didn't particularly want, but it was some sort of admin-type job that would give me some sort of experience mm-hmm. at the time. Um, so I was, I was, I nearly, I think I was like a few days away from accepting the insurance job. Um, cause I, I knew somebody who worked there as well. Um, and then the lady from Acuity she was just like, she went to the telephone interview and, and that was, I was like, what? <laughs> I couldn't believe it. And, <laughs> and then I was just like, yeah, like, of course. I, I think I was sat, 
No, I wasn't sat in the car for that one. Um, and so I had the telephone interview and, and we went through the process and things and it was a really good chat and she's an interesting woman because she's, she's very receptive to different ways into law. And she wants, she very much wants to broadcast that there's different ways into law. Mm-hmm. And, you know, there isn't some sort of set route. There isn't a set figure in how to get into law. It's as long as you end up in the same goal as other people, that's all that matters. Um, so that was almost like my saving grace was that person, the right time, the right place. Um, and I think I was driving at some point and she rung me and I was like, it came up as like a random number. So obviously I answered it in the car and it was on hands free. Just, just point that out. And, uh, she was like, oh, hi Mike, blah, blah, blah. Um, would you like to hear some good news? So immediately I was just like, yeah, like, what's the good news? Um, and I was expecting at this point, like that millisecond in my brain, I was just like, oh, maybe I've got through to like the next, the process or something. It was like, awesome. And she was like, oh, we'd like to offer you the job. <laughs> at this point, I was driving. I absolutely crapped myself, nearly crashed the car, like swerved. I just didn't know what to do. Like, I was just silent. And she's like, hello? I was like, yeah, yeah, I'm driving, one second. So I had to go and, like, pull over, like, to actually speak to her. Pulled over at the side of the road, spoke to her on the phone. Um, and, yeah, she just, like, really liked the interviews, obviously, that I gave and my covering letter and stuff. And then, <clears throat> obviously, I had an interview in between that time with a lady who worked in the Swansea office called Claire. Um, got on with her really well. Uh, we spoke about a lot of things. So obviously they were receptive to the, to who I was and kind of what my, my aims and objectives were and kind of thing. So that was that. They offered me a job on a, a fixed-term contract of three months, which I thought was completely fair because I had no legal experience. Um, it's pointless putting me on a six- or 12-month fixed-term contract where I could hate the job. Mm-hmm. You know, I've never had a legal job, so I could have hated it. Um, but yeah, so three months I think was good. And it's, it's a nice time as well. Yeah. To get like three months, it's almost like a summer vacation scheme. Mm-hmm. To get that under your belt, it's a nice time. So yeah, I did that. That was December, I think I started being in December last year. So I've only been there, what? I'm not sure. My contract was extended uh, for another three months, I think. And now it's been extended again, obviously due to the coronavirus mm-hmm. issues. So how has that affected you? Um... What, the coronavirus itself? Yeah. Uh, in the beginning, it was, it was different. Uh, the, the office kind of went to a, a work-from-home kind of situation, which is difficult for a paralegal because there's a lot of admin-based and physical tasks, mm. whether it's paper bundling, printing, photocopying, scanning, like a lot of different things. Um, so it was difficult to kind of do that from home. We, we couldn't essentially do it. Albeit, like, I didn't mind, because obviously no in the office, I didn't mind myself going in and doing a lot of the admin tasks that would have been okay to me um but it just wasn't the right thing to do at the time uh i think eventually after a few weeks we were put on furlough and myself and two of the paralegals of what i know of have been put on furlough okay since then and, and up until now and i'm not sure when we're going back really but are you excited to start again oh, i can't wait cannot wait i, I the lack of routine, the how much I was enjoying the job, yeah, for the most part, like no, definitely, 
But now I feel like going back, it's, it's almost like restarting again. Yeah. I'm hoping it'll all just, like, come it back. It'll just naturally. flow, I think. But, yeah, it should be, it should be an interesting restart. It'll be good. Because it should be a pretty busy time after all this blows over a little bit with a lot of different mm. cases and whatnot. Yeah, interesting. So, so, moving forward, where do you see yourself in 10 years? In 10 years? Mm-hmm. So, in 2030... Hopefully coronavirus free. Um, hopefully we see the last of that this year. Definitely. Um, In terms of your career. Yeah, I mean, I'd like to have started some sort of company of mine. I've got a few ideas in the head, which I'm not going to release on oh, this, I'm afraid. Interesting. <laughs> Um, we'll have to catch up with you again in yeah. five years. There's just a lot of, a lot of different things you, you kind of think of, especially as you're younger, like different innovative ways to kind of just just have like a little small business even if it's something small like a clothing brand or something mm-hmm. it's just kind of a cool hobby to have that possibly you can be proud of do you know right. like something you can make but I obviously think for the like, both of us as well that we always said that in order to be completely stable that we well it's not necessarily that you need to but we wanted to have two incomes for the two of us. We wanted to have that kind of solid job and then a second income from something that we're passionate about. Yeah, I, I think it's good to have balance in that aspect. Like you can have your job and put 110% effort into, but then it's to have a, not an educational side bit, but a, a, a not a job either, like a side hobby kind of thing which might make you money it might not do you know it could be you like making wooden pirate ships on the on, on the weekends do you know yeah so so you might want to do that so uh, okay so the, the obviously the 10-year goal um as you can expect it will be to be finally qualified at some stage within the next 10 years obviously it's difficult with the training contracts and the whole applying like two years in advance so that's essentially four years from now so I might not even be qualified in 10 years' time. I'd like to think I will be, and I hope so, but you never know what's around the corner. But, yeah, I need to need to get on that pretty, yeah. pretty sharpish. So what's one thing that you wish you would have known when you began your legal career? Training contracts. Yeah, me too. The, big, the biggest thing, I'm not, I don't know why it wasn't spoken about it during the undergrad, like, Unless you're with it, like you know, you got like magic circle soon, assumes magic <laughs> circle firms that pick people in first year. Yeah. Like they're already recruiting people in first year. I was working in Tesco's in first year. I had no notion of what a training contract was at this point. Like, each firm typically, even like the smaller firms, will recruit like sixteen months, eighteen months to two years in advance. Yeah. Like if I'd known about that in first year, t- to be fair, I probably would have been. You know, nearly coming up to a year of being in a training contract, I'd like to think. Mm-hmm. I think for me that's big the biggest thing as well. The, the fact that, I don't know, it just wasn't spoken about at all. There was no guidance. I mean, Swansea University is a terrific union. I would but never... It, but it's not even Swansea University because you speak to, like, other people from other unis. Yeah. Like, even on the LPC when people have came from, like, different GDL courses and stuff like that, they didn't have a clue either. No. It's only until you do in the LPC where people are like... This is what you need to be doing. Yeah. Like, unless, obviously, I know Swansea University, especially like the law school, used to do a lot of extra curriculum 
um, like speaking events. Networking uh, events. Yeah, as well. like in public speaking, which I probably didn't participate in as much. Same for like the JLD. Um, I didn't participate as much as I should have done. Mm-hmm. Like I'd probably say now to a lot of people who want to be solicitors and stuff is to join like your local JLD. Do networking. Do you know, it's something I've lacked and I'm probably paying for it as yeah. such now. Are there any schemes or kind of initiatives that if you were back in your first year of uni, how would you break into that network circle? GLD is the first step. Mm-hmm. Like join GLD, even if it's like, do you want to be helping hand? And for like those a, of those of the listeners that don't know what GLD is, do you want so to give like a brief? It's like the junior lawyers division, which essentially it's just young professionals in the, the community, we'll call it. So mm-hmm. say South Wales, um, where they, they have no networking events with different... Um, employers, so different legal companies, barristers, judges, like literally everybody across the legal board come to these networking events. And like some of them are good fun. Like you got like pop quizzes and stuff. Yeah. You know, you got all sorts. Obviously, you know, there's a, an element of you can't get too rowdy. But in probably some of them, people do. Do you know, like legal professionals are still... Humans. Yeah, like they, they still get a bit too tipsy sometimes. Do you know, I can imagine that like the the networking Christmas dinners and stuff and there's a there's probably a few legal professionals that get a bit a bit rowdy we'll see yeah so JLD is what you'd yeah I think be encouraging anything else or work experience is another thing like any Easter break any Christmas break summer break try and get work experience yeah whether it's like a week two weeks anything to kind of either narrow down your module choice in terms of what you want to go into in your career or just get generic experience. If you want to go in corporate, what's the harm in doing some sort of work experience in criminal? Mm-hmm. Like, apart from obviously the informational side, there's a lot of similarities in terms of how it functions and just being in a, a administration environment and being in a pressured environment. Yeah. yeah Any definitely. sort of experience you can get. And I think back in first year, none of us really knew what area of law we kind of wanted to focus in. Um, what yeah. made you decide that you wanted to go down the corporate slash commercial route um i've always kind of liked businesses um i'm quite a it's the same for like tech i consider myself quite a techie person yeah like tech savvy as you want to call it obviously trying to be an electrician when i was younger I kind of knew a lot of electrics we'll call it and and whether it's like wiring stuff or you know, taking a computer apart and changing the motherboard and, and different things like that. I wouldn't say I'm an expert, you know, but I'd, I'd like to say I'm above average. Um, but back, you know, going back a few years ago, say, first year uni, I had a, a pretty, pretty avid interest in the New York Stock Exchange, which has died off quite, quite sadly, actually. Just been too busy to kind of focus on it as such. Um, I really wanted to start like stock trading and things. Like I know a few of my friends do. Uh, they keep telling me to get into it, but at the moment, I wouldn't want to win. I I haven't got the time to. I say I haven't got the time. I'm doing nothing in the house with COVID nineteen. <laughs> but like, it's one of those things. Like the apprenticeship story, or like I have that interest there, but I've just the lack of motivation at the moment to kind of do new things. Yeah. And try and 
put the time and the financial back in, especially with like stock trading and stuff. I'd love to get into it. I need to like like another friend of mine. He he does a lot. He works out in Abu Dhabi. Uh, obviously, he's naturally got a bit of spare change <laughs> to to invest and and take some gambles. Yeah. But yeah, I've kind of always had an interest, especially because I want to own my own business in some sort of aspect. Nice. But yeah. Interesting. Um, so I think we're running to the end of the podcast. There is a few more questions though. Um, if you were back in first year, what advice would you give to someone wanting to pursue a career in law? Similar to what I've said. Just get work experience. Uh, make sure you Network. really want to do it. Networking. Yeah. It's another big one. Yeah. I think, I think the biggest one is when someone does law is to make sure you want to do it. For the right reasons. Yeah, I think my, especially in the beginning, my biggest downfall was not being as passionate about it as, like, say you. Mm. Um, whereas I had put in, back to you in the undergrad, I had put in, like, the minimum effort required to pass because I was so happy with just being there. Mm. And I was just like, oh, bro, I'm going to pass. Like, give me the 40% pass rate or whatever it was. Like, I didn't care about first or 2-1 or anything like that. I was just happy. You know, you could give me a third and I'd be like, passed an exam. Do you know? Like, there, there was different levels of kind of passion. I was had a passion for just doing the bare minimum and succeeding. Yeah. Because that was better than what I was doing. Mm-hmm. Whereas, say, in your case, if you didn't get first, you were, like, annoyed. Yeah. Do you know, the, that was your passion. But you had that passion behind you to sit, you know, in your room and read law books all day, every day. Mm-hmm. I wanted to go play sports and yeah. kind of go out drinking and different things like that. No. I still did a lot of studying and stuff, but it was a lot more selective with my time. Yeah. Rather than doing it out of the pure fun. A lot of the time, especially, say, like, the first couple of years was a bit of a chore. and But that also helped me, like get the passion that I want to, especially like second and then in third year like and then doing the LPC it, each year was just growing and growing and growing and now obviously I work in the field and it's just grown even more yeah. like tenfold it's like I think working is totally different to studying 100% like it's it's a totally different aspect I think that's probably why it's important to get the work experience at the start to ensure yeah. that you know the end game is what you want yeah 100% yeah okay and uh, lastly do you have any regrets um, so you spoke about not securing a TC or not even... Yeah, I think it's difficult. Um, I wouldn't say I have any regrets as such. There's a few things I would change. Like, obviously, I apply for TCs a lot earlier. You know, like, I could sit here and be like, yeah, I should have studied more. I should have done this, done, be more involved with the JLD and different things. But at the end of the day, everything that I did has made me the person I am speaking today so it's like if i had done something tiny different would i be the same person i am now Mm. like would i be enjoying my job now if i was doing loads of gld networking or would i think i'm belong in a better place or would i feel some sort of entitlement that i should have had a training contract by now yeah like there's a there's a lot of different things but i wouldn't see any regrets no 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 okay okay well thank you so much for chatting with me today it's been really really fun and I think that our listeners will really benefit from what you've said. Um, and I definitely think, you know, the access into law is an area that I want to speak about 
in future. Yeah. Um, because we both feel that it's an area that's not spoken about enough. So thank you so much for joining You're us. You're welcome. It was a pleasure. So until next time when we'll chat with someone different that has a different access into law on Legally Evangeline. Thank you so much for listening. And if you've made it this far, uh, if you enjoyed the podcast, give it a like and comment down below if you've got any tips or tricks that you would like to add to Mike or anything that you'll would benefit other legal professionals.